Hello and good morning. Thank you for tuning in today to our brand new episode. And I want to recap what we talked about last night and in youth group. And if you are in the area, you're in Chesterfield and you have not made it out to a youth group time, uh, that's every Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Uh, we have a wonderful time and uh, God is really moving and we're seeing uh, a lot of new teenagers come and, and get plugged in and be a part of it. And uh, we started a singing group, and I'm excited about that. So praise the Lord uh, for how He is working in the hearts of our teenagers. And, uh, and we're, really, we're really seeing some fruit that is remaining. And so I'm so excited about that. I'm, I'm glad to be the youth pastor here for sure. And, uh, and I just thank God for, for him using me. And I hope that uh, you are, are thinking along those lines as well. If God has been good to you, and if you are drawing breath right now, then he is. Uh, we have a responsibility to thank God and, uh, and to thank him for what he has done. And so if you, have, uh, if you have trouble thinking of things to be thankful for, uh, then you need to open your eyes because we all have blessings that uh, that there's no other explanation for them um, but to give uh, credit to God. And uh, I, th- I have many things that I could go into and share with you about that. And uh, but I'm going to I'm going to move on for time's sake. I don't want to keep you too long today. I, I do want to share with you a, a good thought and I, I that I think um, will help you. And especially if you are a young person, if you're um, I'm thinking mostly of my my high schoolers uh, this morning, um, you know, those of you who are making decisions about your future, making decisions about relationships, you're determining, you know, kind of the next steps for your life. You know, some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning are, are going to help you with that. But Ruth chapter three is where we're going to be today. And it's Ruth chapter three. I'll give you a second to go ahead and pull out uh, a copy of the word of God. But Ruth chapter three Verse number one, the Bible says, Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast? Behold, he went with barley tonight in the threshing floor. Wash thyself, therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man, until he shall have done eating and drinking. And we're going to reference that a little while later on, so if you want to Keep your Bibles open. That wouldn't be a horrible thing at all. But Ruth 3, so we're continuing our series here in the book of Ruth. And uh, we've been talking a lot about Naomi, and she is a, is a major player in this chapter as well. And uh, so the harvest is is over, and they are threshing the wheat on the threshing floor. And, uh, and Boaz and Ruth have spent time together um, these last, you know, a few weeks or however long. And uh, but mostly that time spent has been in a group setting, right? There hasn't been, you know, date nights and uh, dinner and a movie. You know, there's no Applebee's splitting a two for 20 like we uh, enjoy doing, right? So uh, dating was not how we do it today. And there's even, you know, some some uh, some verses later on in this chapter that would lead you to uh, believe that Boaz didn't even know that Ruth was interested in him in that way, right? So, um, and surely, um, you know, maybe he would have been flattered to know that, but he didn't. And so, um, uh, I, I want to talk a little bit this morning about dating and how we get it wrong because we do get it wrong in a lot of ways. 
And uh, this is, you know, Ruth and Boaz kind of did one thing right. You know, they got to know each other while doing, uh, while working. And uh, so let me encourage you, if you are dating or you're, you know, you have someone that you're interested in and uh, try to find an opportunity to, to do work together, whether it's at school, community service, or, you know, even at one of y'all's house, uh, you know, go pull some weeds or wash the dishes or something, you know, find uh, something to do together. I mean, that's a, that's a valuable thing to know how that person works, right? Because you're going to be leaning on them in the future. You know, if it all works out, you'll be depending on their work ethic to uh, help support you, help support your family. And so uh, it, it really matters if they have the ability to work hard. And another thing that you want to be looking out for in your relationships in general, not just in, you know, dating or courting, but as, as well as friendships, you know, you want to find out what that person is like when they have some adversity. You know, we, we think that we know what our friends are like, you know, all the time. But every time that we see them for the most part, you know, they're all dressed up, they got makeup on, you know, their hair is done, and you've never seen them when everything wasn't perfect, right? Or when they were under stress. How do the people that we choose to um, bring around us, how do they react when they get hurt by someone? Do, do they just fall out and lose it? You know, or, um, can, they, can they handle rejection? How do they react when they can't do something by themselves and they have to ask for help? You know, that's the sign of a secure person, someone who can ask for help. How do they react when an authority tells them to do something they don't want to do? And uh, if, you know, if a friend that you have or, uh, you know, an interest, a, a, a love interest, if they have a real issue with authority and they, they can't handle, you know, being commanded or, you know, um, you know, having things put on them by authority figures in their life, that's a huge red flag that you need to consider. And so if they can't handle a hierarchy or a chain of command, you know, the Bible is full of chains of command. And so, um, you know, how did, how does that friend or that love interest, how do they react to authority? Now, Boaz and Ruth work together in their field. This was kind of their dating, so to speak. And uh, so another great way to get to know someone is to serve together. And let me encourage you, find, you know, if, if you're not at our church, find a church and get plugged in and serve together. Go <laughs> canvassing together, right? Serve in church when you can. Um, you know, how does that person react to spiritual moments and decisions? If all of your friends, you know, don't have any interest in spiritual things, you know, is that really who you need around you? All of us need people in our lives that motivate us to do better, to uh, become a better person, right? When, um, when me and my, when I asked my wife out for the first time, this is about seven years ago now, uh, she said yes, and she had been in a long-term relationship before that, and, you know, by the time I asked her out, <clears throat> excuse me, we were really good friends, and, um, and guys were, you know, they were coming out of the woodwork to ask her, you know, after she broke it off with her ex. And so, um, you know, I knew that I needed to, to get on the ball like pretty quickly, you know. And so I asked her out and she said yes. And so immediately I started thinking I need to get my stuff together. My life is kind of a mess. I'm, I'm immature and I have some 
uh, flaws. I need to, I need to work on these. And so I started reading books. I got uh, I went to the library. I started reading articles. Started talking to people much older than me, men much older than me, and asking them questions about relationships and how I should treat her and you know what I how I should handle uh, this first date and everything else. But but Jamie motivates me to to this day to be a better person, a better man. And so that's the kind of people that you want around you. You know, don't always just have friends that are your age. Have people in your life that you allow to influence you that are older than you, that have been through what you are going through, at least been through the stage of life that you are in. And most of the people in my life uh, that I choose to bring around me are, you know, significantly older, 20, 20, 30 years older than me. And they have much more experience. They've raised children and they've, you know, been serving uh, the Lord for a long time or whatever it might be. So they have wisdom that I don't have. And now I have I have people that I enjoy being around that are my age and even a little bit younger. And certainly I do. And I have friends, <clears throat> excuse me, that way as well. And, you know, I, I'm not saying get rid of them. But I want them around me too. They, you know, they're, they're the fun people, but I don't get my wisdom from them. You know what I mean? So we need to make sure that the people that we have around us are interested in spiritual things. If you um, get together with a guy, talking to you ladies now, if you get together with a guy who's got no interest in spiritual decisions, and the Bible and prayer and everything else, if he's got no interest in that, you know, is that really the kind of person that you want to be raising a child with? And certainly you would answer no to that. So, you know, now is a, now I'm not saying people don't change, but, you know, now is a good indicator. You have to judge on what you know, right? And uh, so you can always say, yeah, well, I'll motivate him and I'll fix him and I'll get him back or I'll get him to where he needs to be. Well, okay, that's good. You know, that's a nice thought. But, you know, if you've been with him for, if you've known him for a year or two, three years, whatever, and he's shown no interest, well, there's your, there's your indicator. You know what I mean? So uh, we need to be careful about that. You know, how we do relationships and how we do dating is so backwards, right? We've designed dating to end and instead of grow. This is because we've lost the real meaning behind marriage. Getting married and having children is one of the most rewarding things that you could ever do. And, you know, I thought we were having a lot of fun and, you know, we were married for a little while before we um, started having kids. And now we have a three and a one year old, 15 months. And, you know, I thought we had a lot of fun, you know, before we got married, we went to Hawaii, you know, all this stuff. And, um, you know, we, we had some really cool experiences, but I, if I could, I would trade all of that and start to start having kids younger and to have more kids. I mean, I would trade it in an instant. There's nothing that is more fulfilling um, than my children and then my relationship with my wife. And so, um, you know, what has happened is we have cheapened marriage into a tax break and financial stability. But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, you know, we get married and, you know, you're, bo you're both working full time and, you know, you got a steady income. You can afford to live where you live and maybe you live in a more expensive place. And so, you know, it's nice that you have these uh, these good jobs and money's coming in. But what happens when a recession hits and one of you loses a job? What happens when there's a child that comes into the mix and now, you know, there's not as much money going around? You know, we pay 
um, we pay, we go to Costco and we get a box of diapers, right? It's about 200 diapers lasts us a month, pay about 45 bucks. I mean, that's, that's half my car bill. I have a cheap car bill, but that's half my car bill every month. I'm paying for diapers. You know what I mean? And you do that for three years and then all of a sudden you lose, you lose a steady, uh, you lose one of your incomes, you know, and then all you have to, all you have to live on is love. Right. And uh, is that person that you're staring at every night? Uh, at the dinner table when you're eating half the amount of food that you're eating before and it's it's from all these instead of costco you know and and stuff and finance finances aren't as good as they used to be is that person going to be enough for you right that stability is gone is that person stable enough to make it work so really the question is right is there substance to your relationship or is it just shallow and vanity and uh, that we need to be so careful about that so, but Naomi is telling Ruth in this story that she desires security for Ruth and that it's best accomplished for Ruth by marriage. So Naomi suggests that Ruth subtly let Boaz know that she is open to marriage. Naomi tells Ruth, why don't you, let's, let's find a way so for you to tell Boaz, hey, I want to get married. I'm, I'm interested in you. And it just so happens that Boaz is related, so it's it's a perfect scenario, <laughs> and it works out um, that way. Now, there is a principle called the kinsman redeemer in the Hebrew tradition, in Hebrew law. The kinsman redeemer could buy a fellow Israelite out of slavery. The kinsman redeemer was the avenger of blood to make sure the murderer of a family member was held accountable for, for a crime. So what would happen is, if you look up the principle of the cities of refuge in the Old Testament, um, what would happen is so there would be a murder, whether it was accidental or on purpose, and um, the avenger of blood or the kinsman redeemer was responsible for holding the person accountable who killed the member of his family, right? So, um, and we won't go into all the details of the cities of refuge, but it's a great study if you ever want to look into that. Um, but the kinsman redeemer was the avenger of blood. He was also responsible to buy back family land that had been forfeited. And the kinsman redeemer was responsible to carry on the family name by marrying a childless widow. So Boaz was recognized as the kinsman redeemer for the family of Elimelech. And he was legally bound to protect them. And if he didn't fulfill his duty, obviously the line would be cut off and that would be a shame. And so Naomi tells Ruth, she says, dress yourself up in the prettiest gown and uh, that you have and, you know, get all dressed up and do your makeup and your hair and, and get all pretty and go down to the, the to the threat, excuse me, the threshing floor and let, you know, Boaz eat and drink and, and be merry and everything and work and all that. And then wait until he goes to bed. And when Boaz goes to bed, and he falls asleep, Ruth should go into his room and uncover his feet and lay down. Now, that sounds really, really weird. That sounds like really sketchy. You know what I mean? If uh, someone comes into my room when I'm sleeping and lays down at the foot of my bed, that is really, you know, that's that's an, uh, that's not a good thing. I, I'm not welcoming that, right? So, But this was not a provocative gesture. This was an act of total submission. It was the role of a servant in this day to lay down at the foot of the master to be ready should he need anything. And Naomi was telling Ruth to go to Boaz in a humble and a submissive way. And, you know, Ruth had the right to go to Boaz 
as the kinsman redeemer and say, look, you know, you need to marry me and take care of me. You're the kinsman redeemer in my family. But Naomi told Ruth, don't go as a victim claiming these rights that you have. Go to him humbly and, and as a servant and that he will accept you. So, so Ruth does what Naomi tells her, goes into him after he's fallen asleep, uncovers his feet, lays down at his feet. And Boaz is surprised that Ruth came to him. He was much older than her. And like we mentioned before, he was, you know, probably assumed that she would try to find a younger husband. This says that Ruth was attracted to Boaz for more than his looks or appearance, right? And uh, Ruth, Ruth, uh, Ruth loved him uh, and acknowledged who he was on a, on a deeper level than just surface level. And so Boaz agrees to be the kinsman redeemer to Ruth, which is, which is wonderful news to Ruth. But there is a problem. And uh, come back next week to find out what it was. And uh, tune in next Thursday. We'll be coming back to you with a brand new uh, episode from the book of Ruth. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm so glad to be coming to you. And I hope you have a wonderful Thursday and Friday and weekend. And uh, stay inside, stay warm, and stay healthy. We'll see you back here.